This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to The Bill Riley Show, presented by Les Schwab Tires, your home for University of Utah football talk in the middays. Here is Bill Riley on your home of the Utes and Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, final hour, Joe Fortenbaugh, ESPN's daily wager host, will join us at about a half hour or so. We'll talk some early college football lines with Joe, some over-unders on win totals and some other things as well. Uh, he, of course, hosts that show with Amber Wilson every day on uh, ESPN Radio as well. So we'll talk to Joe coming up in a bit. Right now, though, um, our friend Riley Nelson joins us. Um, football insider, analyst, quarterback, Everybody knows him in the state of Utah, played at Utah State, played at BYU. Riley joins us Wednesdays during the college football season, talk a little ball. Is this about the time where everybody's about ready for camp to be over and they're ready to play some games, Riley? They've had two and a half, almost three weeks of camp work. Yeah, this is the point. So at the beginning of fall camp, you're looking at, uh, or you you get, when you go into the film room, it first begins about like you go in and you're watching your plays. And you're rewatching practice and all that stuff, but then you get tired of the same angle and watching the same guys run the same plays over and over again. So you start to sneak in, uh, you know, if you're Utah, you're starting to sneak in some Florida film and BYU, you're starting to look ahead at some of the, uh, opponents. The GAs have gone in and done some of the cut up work. You're starting to open up and experience, uh, you know, get a sneak peek on some of, you know, whoever really, I mean, you know, BYU opens up with Sam, Sam Houston, but, who that that first big opponent that you feel like you need to get ready for but yeah i, I don't think utah i mean i'm not privy to the schedule but typically what's going to happen they'll they'll probably switch friday from fall camp yep. into game prep yep and uh yeah but uh even though t- you know today's wednesday i'd probably say for some of the guys uh, as early as this monday you know there's been more and more uh florida film up on those projectors and less and less you know, film from drills and one-on-ones and seven-on-seven of fall camp just simply because that stuff starts feeling like Groundhog Day. Yeah, I was saying this to Nate Orchard earlier. You know, the NFL, they obviously have three preseason games, so that that part of it's great. I don't know if college football could do that. But the other thing the NFL does is the intra-team scrimmages and practices where, you know, the Packers will go see where the Bears are. They'll hop on a bus or hop on a plane and do a full day, morning and midday and afternoon practice with another team. I think that would be very possible in college football. Utah State comes to Salt Lake City for a day, and they basically have inter-squad practices all day long. It breaks up the monotony of camp, 
and it gives you different looks because you know by this time point in time in camp, Riley, when you step under center, the defense knows what you're going to run. They know your calls. They know your formations. They know all of that stuff. Even if you could do a full day of practice, even if it was Weber or Southern Utah, or you know, obviously BYU and Utah aren't going to do it because they're going to be conference members, but the Aggies, whatever, I think it would be beneficial. And It doesn't feel like it would be hard to organize. Would, would that be beneficial? Would it be hard to do? No, and Bill, I, they used to do this. Uh, that used, and now, granted, it's been probably close to 40 years uh, since this was a common practice, but preseason commingled practices and scrimmage were part of college football. It was not considered, at that time, it was only a 10-game schedule. I'm talking about, so I remember talking to, to old guys, but like, I'm, you know, Gifford Nielsen was a big mentor of mine, and we were very close and uh, during my time at BYU, and I'm pretty sure this was happening when he was playing in the 70s. Even my dad, who played in the early 80s, I think, uh, you know, he, he tells stories of scrimmages against other schools, and now I'm not quite sure in all those capacities, but I think it went away because... Uh, and and you're you mentioned Weber Southern Utah and you know now you got Dixie Tech. Uh, to your point, this isn't um, the reality. Is you're not looking for like iron sharp and iron, right? Right. You're right, not right. looking to try and get someone who's on your same level of athleticism, this and that. You're just looking for a different look, right? A different scheme, and more importantly, to try and uh, just get yourself out of the same monotony of the same old guys. So, yeah, I mean, pair Utah up with Weber, BYU up with SUU, and Utah State up with Dixie Tech, and you just kind of rotate the three FBS with the three FCS. And uh, that could be, you know, maybe every once in a while you go over and you team up with Colorado State or whatever. Lord knows there's enough money flowing through the system to be able to facilitate that logistically and from an expense standpoint. And, as long as coaches uh, can uh, let go of the huh. paranoia that you know that they're going to get have their stuff stolen and their scheme stolen, I think that would be a tremendous uplift for the sport of college football. It's so weird because the NFL, which is the best of the best, the highest of the highest, their practices are open. Hell, the Kansas City Chiefs live stream theirs to their fans. They have ten thousand fans at practices. Every NFL practice is open to either the media or fans or both. Yet in college, they treat it like I, I don't. I don't know what they're doing. Yet the other funny thing too to me is you still invite people that are you know future recruits or boosters or friends of the program to stand and watch. And they, anyway, it's it's funny to me the yeah, difference no, it, between the NFL and college football and how they treat practices and 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 like their state secrets and things. Yeah, it's funny how it doesn't. Uh, yeah, a, a kid, uh, and this is very often very common. Is recruits come into the state of Utah, they make a stop in Salt Lake, they make a stop in Provo, and you you know you never know where the, a guy's loyalties may lie. Or he'd be saying, "Yeah, we saw them run this scheme up there." Or, oh, that's interesting. You know, as you're pitching, let's say it's a linebacker, and you're pitching to him a pressure package and telling him, you know, helping him envision how he can do all those things. And he very well may turn around and be like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Utah ran it this way, and all of a sudden he's up on the whiteboard <laughs> giving away your stuff. So, yeah, the, the paranoia needs to ease up a little bit. And, and I think the more and more college football becomes like the NFL, uh, hopefully we'll see uh, more and more of that transparency and just really common sense behavior. Well, we've seen the NFL become more like college football from a scheme standpoint. Offenses are now, you know, NFL coaches like Andy Reid and Sean McVay, they've stolen, directly stolen from college football, but it doesn't seem to go back the other way from the college taken from the pros at all. Yeah, I mean, the reality is, uh, so 
the college game is built on getting speed and space. Yep. And um, that works in the NFL to a degree. The problem is on the NFL, there's a lot more speed on the defensive side. So more speed equals less space. And uh, but all it takes is you know one or two guys. So you look at speed and space. You look at what the Chiefs has done, and you know finding Tyreek Hill. But then they've also continued to reload. Whether it's Nicole Hardman, and I know he's not on the roster anymore, but putting a premium on speed. But then you talk about manipulating space, and that's what a guy like Travis Kelsey is expert at, right? That's that's what those guys are, are doing best as they can. Um, although I will say this, I think you're seeing some people zig where they're going to zag even in the nfl and i don't think they have a roster the nfl by the way also and it's the same in college football in the nfl it's your gm building your roster in college football it's how how good are you at recruiting right what is what's been the average ranking of your recruiting classes um but i, I just i was just going to say you see the likes of you know tennessee's made it made they, they've been having success in their division and made it to the one conference championship game playing an older school style by all indications you know Bill Belichick's doing that up in in New England. If everybody's going to try and be speed and space and not care about playing good defense, they're going to play good defense and have a physical style of offense. Now their rosters may not be talented enough to get them, you know, into a conference championship game or a Super Bowl, but it's just a constant game of of checks and balances. But uh, speed is a premium. And I, I will say this though, um, regardless, if you're a team that maybe you don't have the strongest roster. You're always going to opt for uh, that speed and space, throw the ball around because that sells. So if you have an average team that's throwing the ball all the way around the field uh, or or throwing the ball around the field or you have an average team that's grinding out four yards per carry, you're going to sell far more tickets and merchandise and and get more passive, you know, uh, TV watchers throwing the ball around the field than you are that way, which I think is another reason why the NFL has tended to go more towards college. Riley Nelson with us. Talk a little ball here on the program. Um, Big picture question. Um, Cam Rising, not yet cleared for contact. Been doing everything at practice, running around, throwing, doing stuff, but he hasn't been cleared for contact yet. Kyle Whittingham was clear about that yesterday. He said not been cleared for contact. Um, Bryson Barnes, our number one, if we had to play today, but he's the number two. Nate Johnson, the number three right now. Um I've talked to a lot of former players, guys that played quarterbacks, guys that had ACLs. I've talked to a lot of coaches who have had to deal with this, too. The consensus I came to by talking to a lot of different people, and I always like to talk to a lot of people, smart people too, like you, is they kind of felt like 10 days, 6 to 7 practices. Let's just say he's out there by Monday. That gives him 10 days to the game, 6 to 7 good practices with all the experience that he has. He's been around the team he's throwing. Does that feel about right to you? I can't remember. You, you were beat up. Did you ever have an ACL? No, I was lucky in that all my injuries, well, unlucky in that I kept having to battle injuries, uh, but lucky in that my hips, knees, and ankles, you know, your your wheels, keeping the injuries above the waist tend to be a better thing. You can, you know, well, for good or for bad, you know, I I mean, I trotted out there and tried to play through some of those, but now that I'm getting into middle to old age, I'm glad, you know, all those joints below the waist are working because you got to walk on those every day. My shoulder, I can, you know, decide whether or not I'm going to throw. The three surgeries I had on it, I can manage that. But you got to walk on your ankle. So I'm grateful that I didn't have any of that. Here's what I'll say, though. Uh, yes, that time frame does feel right, but it only works if everybody is truly honest and you have some hard, hard observers that are saying he is back. 
where it doesn't work, and I think, you know, to bring in the whole state, last year with Logan Bonner and Utah State, uh, right, bringing him back, yeah, he's ready, he's ready. He, by all accounts, he got to about 80 to 85, and then, you know, he started in the pregame, you know, the game prep, and he got in, you know, the 8 to 10 practices, and he was all dialed in, but the reality was he was not all the way back on his recovery. So the first hurdle you have to clear is you have to have your most staunch observer medical observers and training staff put him through the rigors and everybody feel consensus that he's at 100 then once he's at 100 yeah eight to ten i'd say a a smart season guy like cam you know you give that dude probably five practices seven days you know five practices in a weekend seven days at a game plan and he's going to be ready to go so what would be some of the things doctors would do with a quarterback to test that? I know you didn't suffer it, but you got put through probably enough stress tests. What what are doctors, what are medical professionals going to look for with a guy like Cam when they're looking to see if they can clear him or not? ACL, it's, so off the field they have, you. first of all, you have to make sure that, that power generation, so you know whether you're timing uh, agility drills or you're in the weight room, doing power generation, you have to make sure there's no unilateral uh, deficiencies, meaning that the right leg is as strong as the left and the left is strong as the right. If he does, let's say, just a 5-10-5 pro agility like they do in the combine, right? He's the same going one way as he, as he is to the other. So you got to clear all those. And then the second thing you got to watch on film is, and this is tough with the quarterback, um, but you got to see his natural reactions, explosiveness, and quickness in the pocket. If there's any hesitancy for him to move when he feels pressure to his backside or he's got a bull rush coming right up and and the slide you know the slide left or right or the escape from the pocket looks anything like he doesn't trust that leg subconscious and by the way it's all subconscious especially a guy like cam rising who's tough but most of the guys that reach the level of college football and pro football they have high pain tolerances you know they're they're that so you that's why it has to be proven on film because if you ask them how they feel it's always going to be great oh yeah so what you got to look for is all right where was cam at his peak let's let's create a cut up of his in the pocket movement and escapability all right now we've put him in 11 on 11 situations during camp how do his feet look is he just as reactive is he just as explosive if not because whatever if there is even the slightest bit of deficiency there in that reaction and his ability to generate power to make those movements, even if they're in, in the pocket slides or resets or they're, you know, it's out of the pocket, you know, escape to the sideline and make moves there. If there's even whatever you see on film in a practice setting is going to manifest itself probably three times over in a game because the intensity and the speed and the power of the game just cranks up that much more. So, the the easy stuff is all the stuff that the training staff can measure, and then you just got to have a coach, and it, and and the coach has to be honest with himself. He can't, you know, he can't be saying, "Oh yeah, Cam's good at you know, good enough," but he knows in his heart of hearts he's not all the way back. You owe it enough to the kid, and ultimately for your team, because here's here's what I've been in my conversations with you fans is I, I know they want to break through. You know, they've got these Pac-12 championships and Rose Bowl appearances, and they want to break through in the college football playoff. And you got Witt saying that, you know, probably as talented as roster as he ever had. That might be a little bit coaches speak. You feel like you hear that every year. But I also feel like Coach Whittingham doesn't throw that away or he doesn't throw that stuff around lightly. So if he's genuine in that, the tough thing for you, and this might, um, you know, manipulate a coach's judgment, is that 
you know you got a chance, and with camerizing in there, you got a chance at the college football playoff, and you can get these these non conference wins, you know, these high profile wins, likes against Florida, and you can do that. Um, so you can't let him manipulate that at the expense of the kid, and quite honestly, at the expense of your season, because if you bring him back too close, it's more, or if you bring him back too soon, it's more likely than not that that knee will deteriorate over the course of the season, and then by week five or six, he's out altogether. Versus you, t- you sacrifice maybe the first two game, two to three games of the schedule, ensure that he's 100% in there, and then you run the table, you know, the next. But the, the one tough thing about that is, you know, one loss, and you could be on the outside looking into the college football playoff, which I know everybody associated with the Utah football program is looking at as that next hurdle to clear. Yeah, it's going to be a tough hurdle regardless, healthy or no healthy Cam Rising, as good as the league is this year. Riley Nelson's with us here. Do you like the idea of the Aggies opening with a team like Iowa based on where this team is this year? Is that a good opener for them, or would it be better if they played them second, third week? I know the schedule is what it is, but based on where they are and what they're bringing back, is that going to be a tough opener? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, if they're just objective with themselves, uh, Iowa, who their whole their entire brand is built on, you know, the front five on the well seven we'll call it because there's a lot of double tight but like the front seven on the offensive and defensive lines and the physicality and the size the reality is utah state's always going to be a recruiting deficiency as it relates to those guys so as much as you'd like you know some game film and some early prep what i like about a week one matchup is they don't have game film on you right utah state's roster has turned over in other words like we saw with them way back when in the gary anderson days right they almost snuck away with one in auburn and then the same thing, I believe it was week one when they went up to the Palouse and beat Washington State. That was another week one matchup. So it actually it actually behooves, uh, in, in my opinion, Utah State to get these high-profile games week one because they have a greater likelihood of sneaking up on teams. And uh, I, I feel like the gap in the talent or recruiting or size, whatever gap there may be, is lessened by the element of surprise and the unknown. The more weeks of game film under those dudes at the Iowas of the world get more time to look at the guy that they're going to be playing across from. The coaches get a better chance to come up with some answers for whatever unique and innovative scheme that Utah State is going to be running, which I believe they will be. Um, So I I like the week one for them. Um, BYU, year one in the Big 12. Which side of the ball is going to give them a better chance to compete this year, the offensive side or the defensive side? So this is so interesting, Bill. If you, if uh, for those that have followed the media availability uh, over the last week, you've got Jay Hill, which a lot of people are kind of accusing of sandbagging, and they're wondering, like, boy, are we? Did we even make an improvement here? You know, how big a, how steep a climb does this defense have to be in back to where, you know, it's a productive and competitive defense? Uh, and then on the other side of the ball, you've got Aaron Roderick, who made a claim, I believe it was on Monday's availability, where he said. We have upgraded at every position, uh, he feels like, over last year, which was a 10-win team, So, uh, which is a, a very strong statement. Um, so if you're just going by what the coaches are saying, but they're also different personalities, although we know Roderick. A-Rod is not like he doesn't, he doesn't uh, bring attention to him. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to – has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.